your positive, positive, positive imprint. 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. Hello, this is Catherine, your host of the podcast, Your Positive Imprint, the variety show featuring people all over the world whose positive achievements inspire positive thought and action. Exceptional people rising to the challenge. Music by the talented Chris Knoll. Check out his music and learn more about him at chrisknoll.com. C-H-R-I-S-N-O-L-E. Fabulous music and lots of new music, too. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Your Positive Imprint. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Check out my YouTube channel, Your Positive Imprint. Visit my website, yourpositiveimprint.com, where you can sign up for podcast updates and also follow this podcast. Under the play button is a subscribe button that will take you to easy links for some podcast platforms. You can also listen and follow my show from your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Or, of course, listen from your favorite podcast platform. Please hit that subscribe or follow button now. This is a free podcast. Your positive imprint. What's your PI? Well, Mumbatu Portia Morudi. Her story of positive imprints begins with a collapsed ceiling and crop raiders to this fabulous establishment of the Village Market in South Africa. Mumbatu's Porsche's goal is to promote and support a holistic view while educating and empowering others to make changes to their own lifestyle that is more sustainable for all living beings, including the honeybees. The village market was established out of a need to find and create ideal spaces for bees to thrive and survive. Mumbatu Portia has been given the name internationally as the changemaker, and she does take this role seriously, especially when it comes to preserving honeybees on our planet. She says, bees are not a problem. They are a solution. Portia, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Catherine. I, I couldn't have said it better. Bees are not the problem. They are the solution. We must just meet each other halfway and all is well. Oh, and there's so much to learn about bees and so much we already do know, especially as you say, they can be the solution, especially when we know that I think it's 80% of our world crops are pollinated by them. And if we don't have them, what do we have for ourselves? Yes, exactly. I think it's believed to have been Einstein that said, without bees, mankind would have about four years of life left, which is actually a scary thought if you think about it. Maybe for me, being a parent, and I'm thinking I have two little boys, if Without bees, we only have about four years of life left. Can you imagine what's going to happen to, to, to the little ones? Yeah, so for me, that's really one of my motivations for doing what I do. My, my passion for nature conservation, for conserving the bees and using our rural communities. That's, that's really it to say, how do we create 
and earth that future generations would love to live in. I, 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 I couldn't have found any better passion to pursue than that. Oh, that is said so well. And I did not know that about Einstein at all. And I think that that is such an incredible motivation to want to do uh, preservation of our honeybees. So I would love (laughs) to learn so much more about this journey of these amazing positive imprints of yours. And I know that some of it started with these collapsing ceilings of yours. Yes. So I would say I used to be growing up, I I used to be one of the problems because I didn't know much about these at that stage. So I grew up on a farm in Winterfeld, which is northwest Pretoria in South Africa. I grew up with my grandparents and we would have bees settle in one of the ceilings in one of the rooms, produce so much honey that the ceiling would cave in. Oh my gosh. So year in, year out, they would produce so much honey, the ceiling would cave in and my grandparents would bring in somebody to come fix the ceiling. And what we would normally do, like most people would do in the village, is that we would start burning tires and, and burning stuff just to get rid of them and spraying insecticides and all these harmful things to just get rid of them. And that was the disconnect. Because they're on a farm, they didn't realize the the importance of bees to their crops and, and really purely lack of, of knowledge. There was absolutely no way that they could have that they could have known in the village and it was with that in mind that then my grandfather at the at the time i just need to remember how old he was he then invited all the grandkids to go for this course in beekeeping i loved it so much i quit my job as the candidate registrar at mill park business school and set out on on this journey and I'd, I'd be honest, the initial motivation wasn't taking care of the bees as such. So for, for me, it was there's a shortage of good quality honey globally. We're going into this market to introduce good quality honey. And then there was an element of our rural communities using rural farmers to say, let's pollinate your, your crops, benefit from the pollination. And my passion over time, I fell in love with these creatures. The more I learned about them, their importance, uh, nature conservation. I can go into any village in Africa with the blink of an eye because now it's, uh, that's what I live for. That is so amazing. And I, I don't you just love that transformation when you look back at your, your experiences and how they transformed the change maker it's it's actually at times i'm still baffled from a from a very conservative so structured person that i used to be into this life that i'm living now full of so much adventures going out looking for elephants going out into fields and working with bees it's 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 like two different people but i couldn't have had it any any other way well your grandfather definitely has provided those positive imprints as a path for you to extend your own journey into this amazing world of the honey 
and the honeybees. And then you talk a little bit about, well, first I have a, I have a question. So what do you do for, or not for, but what do you say to some of the community, the villagers who have the same type of situation you did growing up where the honeybees were putting so much honey into the ceiling and then this, the house was collapsing and then they started smoking them out, which obviously isn't good for the people of the house or the environment or the bees. So what do you tell them? It's It's been a journey because a whole lot of people, it's really about mindset shift. I, I can tell you, even when we started, most of the farmers that we approached at the time, they refused us entry into their plots with these bee boxes because a whole lot of them were saying no how are we going to work our workers are not going to be able to to function with bees on site and half the time you end up having to beg these people and say just just try it out for a week and and see how it goes so it was more of a, a mind shift from people realizing that these are actually not pests and how they can benefit them and and that's what advocacy work around around the bees. And I'll give an example with the village at the border of Mozambique um, in South Africa, where they struggle with crop raiding elephants. Initially, they couldn't believe that bees were able to keep the elephants out. So you were basically working with a community that was very skeptical we are grateful, thank God, they allowed us to start working with them and then they started noticing the benefits. But initially, really a whole lot of people would rather say no than actually give it a, a chance. So it's really about gaining trust in the villages and, and just sharing information. And then with time, they ease into it and then realize the benefits. Wow. So your endeavors... And your positive imprints are not just about the honeybees, but now it, it's saving elephants because obviously the community doesn't want uh, crop raiders. You know, you wake up in the morning and suddenly your your crops have been removed and all of that time and energy. So did they finally allow these? And I, I'm guessing that they did. And did it work? Did the crop raiders remain out? Yep. So we started working with an organization called Elephant Rhinos and People, our biggest supporters from the beginning of, of our journey. And their focus was wildlife management within villages. So, so dealing with rhinos and elephants, protecting them through the alleviation of poverty within villages uh, close to close to the parks. So when we went into this village called Gazini, on the border of Mozambique and South Africa, they struggled because they had elephants that were coming in, crossing the border from Mozambique into, into the village. And these elephants would wreak havoc because what they would then do is that they would go in, raid the crops, and because they live in huts, they would bring down, they'd bring down the huts. So with, with communities like this, what I tend to say is that when you go in, you, you don't go in as a savior. You actually try and find out from them what is it that they struggle with. And then you develop a model that's centered around their problem. At the time was crop raiding elephants. 
So what we did is that based on a study by Dr. Lucy King in Kenya, where they had proved that bees are natural deterrents to, to elephants, we communicated with the tribal council in the village. They set out a group of individuals from the village that we could work with, that we could train. And then from there, we built this beeline fence. At the time, the fence was about 400 meters, so about 40 hives. And that successfully kept the bees, uh, the elephants, out of the village. And from then on, the fence has been extending and extending, and we've been expanding this project because they've seen the benefits of it. So they benefit from not having elephants raiding their crops. They're benefiting from the fact that we buy back the produce from them and, and the skills training and development. So there's hope within within these villages that normally nobody knows absolutely nothing about. I'm thrilled about the research that you're talking about. So can you share a little bit more about the research of the bees there in Africa? So what I've found over the years is, is that what has happened is that because the natural habitat has been destroyed so much, so we can't we can't separate the bees from the natural habitat, and 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 that's why they're declining so much. So you've got loss of habitat, you've got the use of insecticides and pesticides that are harmful to the bees. So what I found in the village is that we we need to sort of change how people do things. So most villages, what you find is that they practice what we call honey hunting as opposed to sustainable beekeeping. So honey hunting means people would go into the forest and then burn a large chunk of the forest just to get one hive uh, colony where they can get honey from and then end up destroying the whole colony in the process as opposed to saying, how do we find interventions whereby, yes, you can harvest the honey and leave some for the bees for them to thrive. And how do we rehabilitate the forests? How do we now educate people and say, okay, you want to create a small garden in the village. You don't have to destroy the whole forest, burning everything down just to make way for a very small space to to plant. So those are the things that we, we really addressing deforestation is also a big thing because you must remember we 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 use the wood for your charcoals so that also destroys the the environment so what we're sitting with is us saying how do we make people in villages realize the wealth in the natural resources working with that creating a mutually beneficial relationship because we want to save the bees they needed for their food for food security but now how do we say don't chop down the trees without offering another another alternative it continues happening so bee farming for us was a alternative and then saying we'll create a market for this honey so that you have an income that you would have lost if you were chopping down um, the trees for charcoal yes so interesting. So you talk about this income, and I read that something that you're doing to help provide jobs within the communities with regard to honeybees is they, in turn, are making honey 
in a very sustainable way for the environment and for the bees. And then you in turn are purchasing their honey. So can you talk about that and how this is something positive for the community? Yeah. I, I, I think the positivity I'll, I'll relay in our first community that we worked with and I remember in this village when we started work, they were also very skeptical. But with their first harvest that we bought from them, they only got about 4,500. It was 10 community members, with, which easily is translated to 450 rands per person. Very little money for, for somebody that's privileged. But the way the community was dancing and praying over what somebody else could have considered to be really not much for them it it was hope i i realized that it was beyond just that income it was hope for somebody to say you know i've lived in this village all my life i didn't know how i was going to to make a living and then all of a sudden i'm able to make something start from beginning and see it to end because we don't pay communities before the work is done. So we go into a community, we do the training, they do the work before harvest, sustainable beekeeping, you have to leave these hives, at least sometimes work for five months without an income and then harvest and then we buy it back, we give you the money. So for somebody to be patient enough to be working throughout these months, it's, you don't dance and pray over that little income. It's the hope and it's the realization that I can be more than what I thought I was or what I believed I was in the beginning to, to that point. Wow. <laughs> You're, you are very dignified and you certainly, certainly are bringing that change to people. I'm, I'm just so thrilled with the work that, that you are providing. This is incredible. So with the villagers that you work with, you started the village market and that was, well, first let's talk about your, your growth because you started, I think, beekeeping in 2013. Yep. So I, I quit my job in 2012 in, in September with the hope of making a whole lot of money. <laughs> So I, 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 I left my job very optimistic and excited about this new journey set out. It took years to, to build and from it took the first initial model that we had worked on collapsing totally after I think a year and a half of working on. And then we had to restart again with the more sustainable. How do you work with communities? How do you integrate the needs of the community? And then use beekeeping as a way of solving whatever issues that they that they actually have. So over over the years, from starting with 10 hives in September 2012, where my grandfather said, I'd, I'd give you the, these 10 hives to, to start on this initiative. We've been able to create at least 102 beneficiaries since since then in nine nine communities between South Africa, Mozambique, and Zimbabwe. So it's 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 been a, a long journey of self-discovery, of 
changing lives, hopefully. It, it, it's moved beyond just beekeeping. It's about just realizing, helping people realize that they can be so much more than what they, they initially believed they were. Oh, that is so amazing. And I love hearing the birds back there. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, so your your entire journey changed. And I is your grandfather still with you today? Yes. So oh, he so is he... nine. He's ninety three now. Still alive. Still very active. Yep. Oh, and so he has been able to see <laughs> that journey that he started you on, and that. Yes. And... <laughs> And he calls himself my business partner, though we really are not business partners, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a business partner? I do. So I work with my husband. That has been another another blessing because though all is well, but we all know that social enterprises are a challenge, you know. In fact, any business is a challenge. So you need a, a solid support structure so luckily, we've been able to travel through the villages together, making this impact together and taking our, our boys with us because we would actually love them to start early taking care of the environment and realizing the importance of nature conservation and preservation. So we 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 blessed to be able to to take them with us when we're going to villages. Oh, that, and so now hopefully they will carry on this journey, these pathways of positive imprints with regard to sustainability and the bees. Yes, we hope so too. <laughs> and so now the the village market, I how much honey is produced so that you're able to put it on market and how I know that there were issues and one of one of the very important things was that the the honey that's imported has substances in it that are not really welcome for the human body, but they, the honey needs to be preserved. So you're trying to make this change by providing fresh, raw honey. And so talk yeah. a little bit about the market and the honey that's produced and how it's, or and if it's being exported anywhere. Uh, so we, at the most currently, we do about 6.5 tons annually. So we, we're sitting with about 6,500 ages of African raw honey that we sell through to markets. And because a lot of people buy into the story with the villages, so it, it gets sold through corporate companies. They pull a lot of it for gifting more than more than anything. Yeah, so that's where we at. We're not exporting it as yet because of the regulations and so on. And because we really want to keep it as raw as possible. So currently we we pretty much limited to, to South Africa. Well, and I think that that's commendable because one of the purposes was to be sure that the honey is uh, preserved in its holistic, natural way. And that's oh, yes. certainly a goal of yours. And I know you have a dream. And one of your dreams is to 
make skincare products. Is that still a dream or is that part of the past? It's, it's still part of the dream. It's that the dream keeps changing simply because there's so many communities. So sometimes I get a question a lot, whether do I want to be an entrepreneur business person or do I want to focus really on, on community building, community development and focus on nature conservation? Because sometimes I must be honest, I struggle with what sort of the balance. My heart is always with nature. It's always with the people and business is like, well, this needs to be done because we need this market for the honey. So skincare is something that I'd, I'd still love to pursue probably in, in a far future. And it's simply because what I've picked up in, in communities, there's so many of these indigenous trees and plants that you find out people saying uh, this plant here we use when you've got burn wounds and we know the, the good qualities of honey. So the idea was from imagine being able to take this indigenous knowledge from the communities and then together with the honey, bring that together. I, I, I still believe that something beautiful can come out of, out of it. And, and so it's about creating more income streams for the communities because the more we can value it, I think the more communities will get out of the initiative. Wow. Wow. Incredible forward and progressive thinking on your part. So, Portia, what do you see for the future for yourself and the work that you're doing? What I see for me right now is, is really building our nature reserves. So looking at our, those natural spaces for bees to thrive. So setting up more sanctuaries, for me, that's the ultimate because the more bee populations it means it equals to you know we've we've got sustainable goals that we need to get to i believe our model can basically eradicate poverty it can create a sustainable earth for people to to live in i am passionate about how do we rebuild our forests in in africa and see communities taking part in that initiative as opposed to governments, not so much as governments, but communities becoming custodians of their natural resources. And we start building these and creating these bee havens, bee cities, knowing that we're building this for future generations as opposed to as opposed to just ourselves. My grandfather once made a quote that said, sometimes we don't plant a tree that we will enjoy the shade. But at least our children's children are able to enjoy the, the shade from this from this tree. And and that's exactly it. That's we building for future generations and that's the legacy we would love to leave because it's sad to to know that over seventy percent of poor people live in Africa and yet we have so much natural resource. I, I believe these resources are there. We just learn to work in harmony with, with nature and then we will reap the benefits. Yes, I, I so do agree with you. And you said it so well. And 
that you mentioned that you want to leave that legacy. Well, you are doing that right now. And it's just a matter of being able to continue your work. And I hope that that you will remain in good health and that your husband as well, so that your work is continued and that your boys pick it up because this is such an incredible and positive journey. Thank you so, so much, Catherine. Catherine, the, the main thing to to note, and, and this is a message for for everyone, it goes it goes for for every for everyone. Just imagine if there were no trees. Imagine if there were no beds. Imagine if there were no bees. Imagine if there were no flowers. Uh, I, I think that oceans. You know, we we've got so much work that we need to do, and it's it starts with us making a decision to say we're going to work in harmony with nature. We're going to work in harmony with earth create an environment that's ideal for everyone to to thrive because i look at africa we've got a beautiful continent and and sometimes i i i think it's because you within africa and we're so bombarded with the negativity that we don't even realize the beauty that that we have that is our continent so for me it's it's just that how to get people to actually open their eyes and, and realize the nature, the beauty that we have within us. And I think the minute we do that, we sort of feel a need to protect it, you know, to protect the environment, to protect the habitat, to protect the bees. And for future generations, about each person doing an introspection and making small decisions every day that say, how do I make a difference in this earth now that on a daily basis. Mumbatu, Portia, Marudi, you are on a path of absolute wonderful positive imprints. And I know that the challenges are still ahead as you bring education and as you continue to empower people of your own community and the international community but you are bringing hope to not just the honeybees, but to each of the individuals that you are working with and beyond. Thank you so much for sharing your positive imprints here on the show. Thank you so, so much, Kathleen. Thank you. Your positive imprint. What's your PI?